Hey everyone, welcome to An Event for Life with Brad Cox and Shane Buzzer. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. An Event for Life is the podcast where we take you on a journey through eventful lives of inspirational event industry leaders from around the world. That's right. We'll be sharing their stories, impact and insight into the complex world of events. So if you like these stories, don't forget to like, subscribe and share with your mates. This is An Event for Life. Good morning, Buzz. How are you, mate? We're back again. Welcome. Hope you had a good weekend. I did, mate. How was yours? Uh, it was awesome. Saw a beetle, Paul McCartney. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, 81 and just phenomenal what, what, he's, uh, what he's rocking out. You know, covers of Jimi Hendrix, a catalogue as long as you can believe. And uh, very special moment. Uh, my, my mum went and my nephew went. Oh, nice family it, affair. Yeah, it was like a whole generational thing. I was going to say how amazing that a guy like that can just appeal to so many generations and like gets to 81 years of age and still entertains the masses and everyone knows who he is. Exactly. And what about yourself? What did you get up to? Mate, I had a relatively quiet weekend actually. I was running around doing the family thing on uh, on Saturday and uh, I actually ended up down at, uh, at the racetrack on, uh, on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, motorsports my... You, you didn't little, see much then? No, unfortunately it was all wet and uh, miserable down at Phillip Island. But uh, no, it was all good and fun. So I uh, can't complain and we're, we're back into it for another week. So And a morning one. Well, you haven't done many morning recordings, no. which means we've got the coffees and treats and morning teas. And I must say, I know the listeners can't see the studio, but there's currently three lots of slices on the table. There's coffees everywhere, which is uh, normally at champagne and beer. But yeah. uh, I need the coffee this morning and I, I believe you do as well, yeah? Uh, sure. Let's not touch on that too much. Ooh, but yeah. See, it was a big <laughs> night on Saturday. It so was, you can't yeah. do this when you're getting older. You're not with <laughs> two-day hangovers. Thanks. Uh, hey, uh, today's episode... Um, we're doing a slightly different path and a little bit more obscure to what you would think from an from an event related podcast. But events are made up of all sorts of skill sets, uh, and there's so much that happens behind the scenes and backstage. So we thought we'd give the listeners and, and you guys a bit of an insight into one of those aspects. And well, it's it's been a bit of a trend. I mean, we've had Marcus, you know, representing uh, the chefs in the events world, and Harry with security. Um, you know, we've had Gab event hire. We had we've, we've had all the various layers, but today is Next level as far as the diversity. Yeah, well, you know, we touched on uh, lack of hair in last week's episode and today I think uh, we're taking that to the next level for you and me because uh, most people would not be thinking of us when you say uh, hair and makeup. However, this man is at the top of his game in making us all look fantastic from on stage to the red carpet at the biggest events across the world. He is truly the hairdresser to the stars, has won International Hairdresser and Barber of the Year, is a seven-time Business of the Year award award winner, and a host of other countless awards and accolades. Would you please welcome the man behind Hair by Ciccone, Frank Ciccone. Now, did I say that right, Frank? You said it properly, mate. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> Boys, how are you going? Yeah, very, very well. Thanks for joining us, mate. Nah, thank welcome. you, mate. Great to be here. And thank you for the coffees, mate. That's, that's, a hairdresser always needs their coffee first. Yeah, thing, yeah. So. Thanks for coming. Nah, it's, it's great to be in a cool office as well. Love, love the setup of the studio. Thank you. Very Thanks, nice. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, we're all up and firing. So we thought... You know, how are we going to talk about hair and makeup at events in particular? But I think more importantly, your journey is is an interesting one given the fact that, you know, you're sort of you're not up in lights everywhere in terms of, you know, massive salons in the middle of cities and, you know, huge marketing campaigns behind what you do. You're actually the complete opposite. So, you know, I thought we'd start with trying to keep it quite simple and just say why hairdressing? Okay. Um, I actually chose hairdressing um, – Basically, I was loved my computers, loved computer programming, um, failed maths, year seven, year eight, year nine, dumb at maths. But for some reason, I knew about how to use computer language and basic language. So I actually used to help my mates. I used to have a Commodore Amiga and I used to hack yep. Commodore Amiga games. And um, yeah, basically loved all that, but just useless at school. And at that time, you couldn't, if you failed maths, you couldn't do anything to do with the computing. So I was lucky enough to get a, just a half decent score in my year 12 to to do data entry at Swinburne, deferred for a year, never went back, worked in retail, loved retail, uh, good old propaganda clothing and uh, PB shoes and yeah, all that. you got the gift of the gab though. Oh, so yeah. retail, <laughs> well, I actually right loved it. Worst, worst wage ever, but I actually enjoyed it. Like and I never thought about the money. And then met my uh, wife, Helen, um, and she was studying hairdressing and then she wanted to open up a salon and I actually wanted to open up a computer store. Um, this is in the early 90s when, you know, wow. MS, when MS-DOS and Microsoft uh, Windows just came out. Yeah. But um, she was adamant about hairdressing. I said, look, all right, we, had, we already had a plan. We knew we were going to get together. We knew we were going to get married and everything. And so the plan was open up the salon. I'll work um, in retail 
and she'll start the salon. So basically, she Helen ran um, Maya Hair and Beauty Salons in the nineties, which was a big big deal at that time. Yeah. And she was only like twenty one at that time. And um, yeah, so she opened up um, a salon, and I was still working in retail for a few months, and then I ended up um, going on my lunch breaks because the salon was up the road from Northland Shopping Centre and go and help her out and take days off and afternoons off to help her out. And I was actually her first ever apprentice. Well, Hair by Chicone's wow. first ever apprentice was me. So She's still I, bossing you around. She's still bossing <laughs> around, <laughs> 27 years later. So basically I had no intention of becoming a hairdresser whatsoever. I was going to run the business. Yeah, right. Then one day, don't ask me how, we, I, I took a phone call and, and I booked her a client and then I did another booking. I think I like I triple booked her by mistake. And so I just picked up the scissors and the clippers oh. and clipper guys. This guy just had wanted a clipper all over. Did it? I just did the clipper buzz, like yeah. you know. Um, and I thought, you know what? Let's do this. I actually went through, um, did my apprenticeship, and um, did yeah. Wow. I love that. I had no yeah. idea about so, that. Story. Yeah, That's so yeah, awesome. so it was it was hard. Look, in the nineties, this is like ninety six. It was hard to be my missus was my boss. Mm. Being you know Italian background, yeah. you know, the wog mentality. I was sweeping hair after her. The ladies in the salon used to love it that there was a guy sweeping hair, so they used to make a mess on the floor. This is, <laughs> this is a big deal. They used to make a mess on the floor, and I used to actually sweep the hair. And like, and my missus used to hate that that they were doing that on purpose. I think it was something that maybe they just you know. But so yeah, so, so that's how it started. And then I just did my my apprenticeship. So I that's how yeah. Hair, you're hair you're a worker. You would never bat an eyelid at doing. No, I didn't care. Yeah, yeah, I just did it. We got married in September '96. We bought the business October 96, remortgaged our house. We remortgaged more in percentage than what the house we went over 60%. Yeah, wow. My bank manager said, just to let you know, if you lose your business, you lose your house. Mm. And it sounds cool now, but at that time, I was shit myself. Yeah. I was just, we didn't sleep. We worked probably about 80 hours a week. Um, on a Saturday night, if you guys would come to us, all our friends would come to us at seven, they would have drinks, we'll be doing their hair. Yeah. And yeah, then wow. they would leave and would work till midnight just doing hair. So we we were sharing pizzas. Al and I, we would if you had a function, we would come to your for coffee and cake, not for dinner because we couldn't afford it. So yep. we just did the hard yards, like you know, for, for about four or five years we worked and saved and just worked for five years straight, you know. And then we started getting staff on board. So that's how it started. That was twenty seven years ago, actually. In three of those times, three of those times, that's 27 years ago. Wow. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. And I mean, look, I guess, you know, your, your personalities um, attribute to this and, you know, you especially, you, you fill the room with energy as soon as you walk in. Um, you're always so positive. And I guess going back to the early Frank days, was this what it was like at home? Uh, Not know, at all. Where did this come from? No, that, that's Helen Ciccone, mate. She she moulded, she, she created the monster that I am. Because <laughs> she was, she's that person. And as you know, Shane, like you touched on before, it just she's like, as, as as we said, when we opened up the salon, there was already four salons in our street. So I was always like looking into the other salons, like at night picking in. And she just said, just be a horse with blinkers or blinders and don't worry about the street. Let's just focus on ourselves and we just – I'd never stop – I never looked at another salon ever again. That's since ballsy then. Yeah. and yeah. amazing. That it, yeah, yeah, we did. And yeah, so basically yeah, she's got the energy. She's got the – she's – I was always, nah, can't be bothered. I'll do it later, procrastinate now. She turned me around in that and, yeah, the reason why I am what I am is because of her. And that's – you know, now she's slowing down and wants to take it. So now it's like we're all reversed now. I'm the nutter still trying to find and do things. <laughs> and, you know, I always say this and I always touch this a lot, like, you know, to hustle now, the word hustle now is a, is a great word. Where a hustler years ago was like, oh, you're a hustler. Yeah. Now, yeah. Hustling now is the is the best word ever. Yeah. It's a positive. It, it is a positive, a positive. Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah, so I, I, the buzz and all that that you say and and you've worked with Helen before backstage yep. is that's yeah. it's because of her. And, and it's interesting you talk about hustle and you guys are a small business still, like in, I alluded to it at the start. It's like you're not a massive juggernaut of a business that's no. got a huge marketing machine behind it. But you, you guys kept your head down and even when you said you've got multiple salons in the same street, how does that sit as a, at a business level for, for a business guy like yourself who turns around and goes, okay, well, I want to be the best at what we do, but to do so we need to keep ourselves so focused and yeah. and just really concentrate on what we do and do it really well. How did you guys go about that and not get distracted by all those outside influences? You touched on the, the marketing budget. We had none. So yeah. if I started looking at what other businesses did, then I'll be – delving into my budget and spending money trying to copy other people. 
So because we had no marketing budget. And no social media. And no social media. media. So, oh, yeah. that's another, I'll tell you a story about the social media side, how that was a sleeping giant as well. But so pre-social media, there was a local ads in the local paper. Yeah. Three yeah. by three, the Northcote leader or the Heidelberg leader, three by three centimetre um, ad, 250 bucks a month. That was it. Um, I actually tried one better where the old good old Malways, I don't know if you remember the oh, Malways. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I looked, there was a new suburb, which is McLeod yeah. West, which is called Springthorpe, yep. opened so, up. So for anyone who's not listening, Malways is like our old street, <laughs> it's a street directory. Yeah, Google Maps. So, yeah, Sorry, yeah, I forgot yeah, there's a, yeah, yeah. I have all the young a people physical listening. Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so on the top of the Malways, I looked at, um, there was a new suburb getting built and I saw it was 800 homes and it was in our suburb at McLeod West. Yes. So I saw on the map, and it was map 29, and so I actually advertised on the top of Map 29 because I knew that there's going to be 800 homes looking at this Malways, finding what is the closest shopping centre or whatever. So I had hair by Chicone on the top there. Yeah, perfect. So we Everyone needs a hairdresser. Hair. And I ran that until until Google – I think I can Google's probably doing their maps 2006s, 7s maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right then. yeah so kind we did of, it from yeah. 96 until 2004. Yeah, wow. So little Bigger. things like so, that we yep. did. But what we saying before about, um, you know – Trying to be like we want to be that you know like that South Yarra salon, that Port Melbourne salon, whatever. But we knew that we never had that marketing budget and we couldn't afford stuff, so we just did our own thing. And then um, word of mouth, know. I guess. As word well. of mouth. Yeah. Look, we did win one award in ninety in two. Th- oh, we won a couple of awards, but the, a big major one for us was Fox FM had this award for Melbourne's best hairdresser. And what happened was. They send – it's not like, you know, you just ring and you ring and like now you can, you know, do votes, whatever. They actually sent a mystery shopper in. So it was a mystery caller and a mystery shopper. Oh, and, wow. And they came in and that's how you got judged. And, yeah. and we ended up winning Melbourne's Best Hairdresser. Yeah, and you didn't pick the mystery shopper? You had no nah, idea? No idea. <laughs> no idea. Like, And then when we were told that, hey, we've just had a mystery shopper and, and a phone call mystery as well, um, I was stressing because they, they didn't tell us that we won yet. They said, oh, just let you know that you're in the running and you could be winning this award maybe. Just be prepared. So then Fox FM came to the salon and did a live broadcast between five and six. And, wow. yeah, when we won. And that was the best. Like that was massive. That, that put our business on the map. They would have yeah. used Melways to find your location. <laughs> <and> that, <so. laughs> totally. Yeah. Touché, yeah. Yeah, the so that was, that's how our, it, it jumped with us. Um, and now, again, no marketing budget. That was no. free marketing. Free marketing. So. Yeah. yeah, and they'll still again um, pre-social media. Yeah, well yeah, done. So um, over yeah. the last 10 to 15 years, you've really flourished in the event scene um, and you're spotted with just about every celebrity that visits Australia. <laughs> uh, how did you go from local hairdresser to be the go-to guy for renowned celebrities yes. and do events? So we did a couple of people here and there before social media, but then in 2010 um, I heard Slash was coming to Melbourne um, for the MTV Classic Channel launch. Wow. Yep. So I rang Sydney and MTV and just a lady answered the phone and she, I just said, hey, I'm here by Chicane and McLeod and, um, yeah, there's a few of us. We like to offer our services. And I knew this was the game to play to, you know, no paid geek. It was just offer our services. Yep. Love to, you know, because I knew Slash had, it was Slash and Friends, so it was a lot of, Aussie artists that were going to be there as well. So even if we were going to do Slash, Amorossi was there. Um, oh, yeah. There was a few other people there in excess. Um, so anyway, so then we get a call back a few days later. But just to just to touch back on that phone call, the lady who answered the phone was a lady who actually ran the whole thing. Haley, who's one of our best friends now, she was coming from her lunch break to the front desk and the receptionist was busting to go to the toilet. She ran to the toilet. Haley answered the phone. And she wanted to know, she goes, I put you through to my own office because I just wanted because you sounded so much full of shit. <laughs> the way you were you see, the way you were selling this to me, I want to hear what more you had to say. So she put me through to her own office. Oh. So wow. if she didn't hadn't have answered that phone call. That, yep. The whole MTV gigs for the next few years never happened. Wow. So in the moment of seconds it made just so little things timing. like that. So it's a lot of chance, a lot yeah. of luck and it's timing. But yeah, and you, you identified obviously at the time that this was going to be a bit of a game changer in the context of yes. exposure and marketing. Correct. Yeah. Again, going back to the budgets, yeah. I, this was my only way to get it out there. And and social media wasn't that big at that time. So we did MTV. We looked after Slash. Um, I actually did Slash's hair. And, cool. Um, we, we, Is it real? Yeah, man. He, yeah. It's a lot of it as well. <laughs> so what he, he wears a lot of baseball bats, uh, baseball bats, baseball hats back to front. Yep. So when he wears his other hat, because he's got ponytails, there's a lot of elastic rings, ring-looking 
like there's a lot of dints in the hair, yeah, so man. he can't wear his hat because it's just, so you got actually got to stole it. You got to get it going, dush it up, and you know. So did that a couple of times with him. So we actually stayed in a hotel room right next door to his, and then Helen looked, Helen looked after Slash's missus at the time, Perla, and then we looked after the MTV um, gig, and so that that was then a snowball effect. The ladies at MTV. And Helen's big on this, and you and you'll see this, and Seamus has seen as well, where we always looked after the events people as well as celebrities. Yeah. So if yeah. like Emma and Haley, because you you're so into it, these girls were the front of house, running around looking after these celebrities, but they were never doled up. They were never, you know, they were in just tracksuits in a hurry, but they had to dress up, but they never worried about themselves. So Helen always pinned down the events people. Love to it. look after them as well and make them feel amazing. Yep. So I think that's why we always got called back because Helen made them feel as much as the celebrity as a celebrity. Absolutely. A huge point of difference. And not that you do it for the accolades, but we know what it's like. Yeah, you run around, you go like headless chooks. It's always to the last second. Yeah. And you don't think about yourself. It's literally, I mean, how many times have you thrown oh, a suit on? Thrown a suit yeah, on under, the loo. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Just, and, just and to make yourself look Thank right. you. It was like, you know yeah. what, guys, like we've got to make up artists floating around. Like totally. just a little thank you to say thank you for getting us on board. Yeah. It goes a long way, just those little Yeah, little so, so the whole – that how it all started. So MTV got us the Geordie Shaw gigs. So Emma yeah. Emma Smith um, moved away and she got us the Geordie Shaw gigs. Hayley was looking after us with other stuff. Um, and then – but the funny thing is with the social media side of things, so we've been pre and post social media. Um, when we did the ARI Awards, so Emma Smith became producer of ARI Awards in 2011. So we did the hair for the ARI Awards at the Opera House. Yep. Backstage at the Opera House. Yeah. Like that was That's just so a big cool. deal. Yeah. And we flew a couple of staff members with us up as well and, and that was at our own expense, um, not a paid gig. But, again, it, the marketing point of view was brilliant. When I came back two weeks later, so we looked after Sia and Rebel Wilson and NXS and Dan Sultan, a whole bunch of people. I was posting in there. We On Facebook at that time there was probably about 20 people, 20 followers we had and I was posting and then Sia's coming out, whatever, you know. And then two weeks later, I had these two dads came in the salon and one was sitting on the couch and the other guy was cutting his hair. And he said, oh, Frank, he goes, man, last week, man, he goes, you were you were on our living room floor last week. I'm like, say that again. He goes, oh, my two daughters were on the floor watching the Arias and telling us what you were saying and what who was about to come out on stage. On through wow. Facebook. The, the biggest light bulb you've ever seen above your head, that idea thing, that bang, that's when I knew – it was and social media was it. Mm. That was yep. my yellow pages. That was my mailways. That was my new leader newspaper marketing for free. So I I knew to tap into it there and then. So interestingly, semi answered this question, but going from doing hair for celebrities at an event, how did that translate to customers through your door in your little suburban? They thought we were the rock stars. Our customers thought that we were. Famous because we were looking yeah. after famous people. Because yeah. of the association. Correct. Right? Yeah. And okay. then let's say watching the ARI Awards, then there'll be a group of people sitting down. My Our client will say to their friends, oh, that's my hairdresser's hairstyle. Yep. So yeah, they were so boasting. Right. So Definitely we were marketing ourselves. They were marketing – the client was marketing their hairstyle saying, hey, my hairstyle – is now worth something because the person did my hair, did that person's hair. The so they're relating themselves to the celebrity. Yep. I was going to say it's the whole cool by association is, factor, yeah, yeah. right? 100%. Yeah. And, and did you see yeah. an immediate increase in business as a yes. result of that? Yes. So what happened was people started coming in. Go forward a few years, I looked after Tim Cahill. Yes. Now, I had people come in from everywhere just to sit in the chair that Tim Cahill sat in. Wow. Unbelievable. That, that's just a true story. People were booking in um, when the Geordie Shaw guys were coming to the salon because we looked after Geordie Shaw and these guys were amazing and they came to – they used to stay at our house. They were just, you know, party animals but like, they were family guys. One of them – Gaz actually taught my daughter how to swim when she was three years old at the, at the little swimming pool. Like he was just a nice guy, like, you know, and, and the Geordie Shaw guys would come in the salon and tweet and there will be people coming in thinking they were there, mm, there and yeah. then. Have and you so, seen a shift in that from – Back then when it first started and people just doing it, you're cutting celebrities' hair and then you're coming into your salon and people are there and so forth into what we now see is like the influencer world. And yes. And the fact that people are expecting to get paid to say put a tweet on that they're sitting in your seat in your 100%. Head, is that shifted the way you've had to go about it? Yeah, so what we do now is because we've earned our stripes, we get a lot of influencers message us every day saying, hey, we can grow your business bigger, we can do this, we can do that. We can afford to say no. Mm-hmm. But I feel sorry for the new businesses opening up today 
where they'll get roped in by an influencer and you're going to laugh. I call them the ones who are full of it. I actually call them influencers <laughs> um, because they just don't deliver. Like if you're going to do it, deliver. Like, you know, and, and I've seen celebrities. It becomes more transactional. Correct. Even, yeah, yeah, rather than purposeful. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and if you're going to like be an influencer and, you know, support a business and say, hey, I'm going to grow your business, just do those posts and do those stories and do the right thing by the business owner. I just feel sorry for new businesses opening because they've got to do with the Google reviews. They've got to yeah. do with the Facebook keyboard warriors, which I can't stand. So, yeah, so it's different now to what it was. Um, people would tweet then or do something because they just love being there. You know, I know for a fact like if when um, – uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gaz from Geordie Shaw, he was getting paid $5,000 a Instagram post and he would just post about me because I just did his haircut yeah. and we were mates, you know. Yeah. And now, you know, the, the new generation of people now wouldn't do that. Do you – and so with all these events and, you know, the, the I guess the profile that you've you've driven – was this part of the dream when you were sweeping the floors and doing your apprenticeship? As in, no, and by that I mean, not was at it that talked about? Yeah, no, no not at that time. Um, that, as I said, that was a light bulb yeah, idea right. later. We wanted to do, we wanted to involve the staff because every time it was Helen and I used to get the call to go and do hair for a fashion show. So we did a lot of fashion shows in the 2000s where no one knew. We did L'Oreal and all yep. this stuff. One big thing happened was when you did, for example, L'Oreal, a fashion show, Laurie will ring you and say, hey, how would you like to be part of the L'Oreal team? Yeah. L'Oreal wouldn't be paying all this money to do to be a sponsor, but they'll supply 50 grand worth of hair services at, at seven fashion shows. But they'll they'll round up all these local hairdressers who are excited to do a fashion show yeah. and wear L'Oreal T-shirts. Totally. So we realised that when with Smash It, um, we bought a product out called Smash It and um, – I was using a brand called Rockstar, an amazing yes. brand. I remember that. Once upon a time before this. <laughs> before <laughs> great, great brand. Yeah. And they rounded us up to do a fashion show and um, and it was great and, and we wore, we had the branding. But then we realised that their sponsor name was everywhere and they had a table of 10 given to them for a fashion, a fashion show and we did the hair and then we went home and it was like they did nothing besides supply some product. But we did all the services. So that's when another idea happened for me is where I didn't want to work under any umbrella. Uh -huh. I wanted to work under a hair by Chicani umbrella. So then instead of us working for L'Oreal or for Goldwell or whatever, we did our own thing and worked under hair by Chicani. So then I started sending out emails as hair by Chicani. And we can provide you um, two, three grand worth of service product package. And then in return, you know, Whatever, they'll ask what like. you want in return. And, and Frank, did, did that mean, you know, because you, you had your light bulb moment around social media and so by, by I guess, uh, working on these shows under your own banner meant that you could then create your own asset under Frank, oh, sorry, uh, under Hair by Jaconi, yes. sorry, rather than Correct. another brand. Yeah, is that right? In a yeah. nutshell. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That is in a nutshell. So, um, yeah, years ago, you know, sweeping the hair and being the apprentice, whatever, I just looked at being, paying off the bills. You know, and then once we got to that point, we bought a building. It was like, okay, now we've got a mortgage. Okay, how do I get more bums on seats without spending all this money in advertising? Then we started, I mean, the Fox FM thing happened. Then with the local business awards was big for us as well. So I was only focusing for Banyul, trying yeah. to get bums on seats from people in the Banyul area. So yep. we entered the Banyul business awards where we compete against other hair and beauty salons. It's a couple of hundred, like 200 you compete against. And we won a few of those. Then we got inducted in the Hall of Fame as an overall business um, because we beat all these other businesses because we won it four years in a row. And then the Hall of Fame was the best business of all businesses from manufacturing to retail to doctors to yeah, restaurants. It just constantly grows the profile there, yeah. right? Correct. And then, Correct. again, events is just that little bit of zhuzh in colour on yeah. the end of it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, so up, interesting, up before we get into more yeah. of the event stuff, why do you think you won those awards? Because people enter, and we see this all the time, particularly in this industry, there's so many awards yep. that you can apply for and submit to 100%. and we've all been there and you pay to go in and yeah, do yeah, your thing. Yeah. And you get a little bit of feedback back, and you go, oh, "I don't know what, or did I do well? Did I not do well?" And so, why do you think you guys were so successful when you've got that many competitors out there? Why hair by Shikoni? It was a customer service. We okay. were big, 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 big in customer service. And going back to about like you know Helen, you know, being bubbly, it wasn't just her. We she made sure the whole salon was like yep. that. So with us, is if there was ever an issue in the salon with a client in any way or form. Helen will, be, Helen will teach us to say, sure, not a problem. Not yeah, but 
or you you your you know your yep. red and my red are two different reds. Totally. So she made sure the color chart was there, and we both chose the same red. So she minimized all the risks of making any mistake or the risks of bad customer service before it even started. Yeah, so, so important. Yeah, yeah so totally. so it was all about customer service. So we I know for a fact our salon in customer service above any other salon that I know. We give the best service. We still do it now. And we we feel sick if we see someone walk out and we're not sure. Even though they probably love it, the hair, we actually feel sick. Like we do a follow-up phone call three days later, we still think that they weren't happy, you know, and which it kills us. That kills us more. It's the service that – so, I'm, look, we are confident in saying that we give good services but customer service as well. Comes down to the old situation, communication, services, sure does. personal connection. I guess. Arias, Logies, Brownlow, <laughs> and countless corporate events. You know, we talked about whether this is part of the dream or not, but you know, the work you take these days and, and how you've seen that unfold, particularly in those events, can you give us a bit of an insight into, I mean, you spoke about the Arias before, but how does that then flow into the other bigger ones um, and see yourself sort of as the go-to people for fashion festivals and, and these major events? I think and word of mouth in the event industry um, you know, because we did well with the Arias, um, we got caught back again and again. You know, MTV, whatever, any MTV gig that happened, because we did right by the person at that time, they all leave notes and they all leave, you know, people, you know, someone might be 30 in charge if four or five years down the track would be in charge of that department. We'll go, oh, hang on a second, the Chaconis did a great job. They looked after me as well. I'll get them back. Yep. So it's a snowball effect. Um, so basically with, you know, we the Arias, we did the Arias a few times and, you build up a network of connections through that. Logies, same thing. Um, you know, we we were getting a lot of managers of artists. Um, we also looked after as well. So if we did a celebrity haircut, we said as a manager, do you need a haircut as well? Yeah, sure. So managers talk to each other. Yeah. And so manager will be like, you know, hey, do, do you know a, a barber or a hairdresser in Melbourne that can, you know, that we trust? Yeah. It's a, and the big and thing trust. is about trust. You know, yep. and vouching for each other. So they wouldn't refer someone unless they knew because they knew that they're going to be in their hotel room, in their personal space, and they're not going to be like fanning, you know, even though I take my usual selfie at the end of the day, um, you know, oh, that's stock standard now with me, but I will never do that <laughs> unless everything's done properly. Have you got to the stage now where it's, you talk about, you know, events and organisations and promoters hiring your services, but are there individuals now that come to you for those major events or you still find it's the organisation? No, no, we you? get, so what happens now is perfect example and I think like, the VRC have got their their own hairdressers they always love using. Grand Prix, the same thing. The yeah. tennis, the same thing. They've yeah. always got yeah. the same people. It's the same, like, it's like, okay, there, there are more hairdressers than the same people. Totally. These, I actually get calls from, for example, the Grand Prix. I got messages from the Grand Prix drivers directly from them yeah. to me because they've heard that I've looked after a few people years ago. Yeah. They they all talk. Yeah. So he would have messaged someone. So I did um, uh, Nico. Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg, yes. Great set of hair. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> so, so, you know, um, he would have messaged someone or spoken to someone, hey, need a haircut. You know, yep, oh, yep, this guy here looks after so-and-so. So it's them talking to each other. So I get a lot of direct messages. So we don't get hired by the big associations like Grand Prix and all that. We used to do it years ago with them. Yep. We get calls Small direct or messages direct. And what you are is very responsive. You are extremely yes. responsive, Stra- yes, and, and that it. helps. Yeah, when no one replies, it's like just reply, <laughs> like you know. Um, and I've sent out messages in my time to people, um, you know, to to celebrities and got yeah. nothing. You know, yeah. they've read it. You know, yeah. you can tell they've read it. They're like, yeah, yeah no, nah, yeah. And do you proactively do any of that still in terms yeah. of you know? Okay, there's a major event coming to town, like the Formula One Grand Prix. Do you go? Okay, I'll send out a bunch of messages I just do. in C. Yes, if I do because some have forgotten about me. Yep, some are new. Um, so there was a couple of, you know, new drivers. There's always new people. So in our industry, in events, in hairdressing, in nightclubs, whatever, the tall poppy syndrome, unfortunately, sticks with a lot of us where it's a revolving door. So there's always these new people coming through that we need to latch onto because mm-hmm. that's a new person that we need to bounce off. Yeah. And then the old, unfortunately, the old drivers, the old people who aren't around anymore, you don't associate, um, which, um, like, for example, Count Football Club, we do a lot of stuff with. I was st- I'm still in touch with a lot of players that I used to sponsor 20 years ago. Yeah, I still talk to them. Mm-hmm. Now they've got kids and, you know, um, where unfortunately a lot of people will drop them on their head once they're not a big person, big player anymore. And that happens a lot as well. So yeah. the pe- but that's, that's normal. That's what people do. That is, you know, 
there are celebrities out there that who are famous as and then, you know, that aren't famous anymore, you know, can't even get a drink, a free drink anymore where they used to get booths and mm-hmm. entourage. Now they get nothing. So it's like, you know, if they've been good to you and promoted you, even though you've looked after them, yeah, they come back. I've got, I've got players that come in and still get free haircuts. They used to play for Carlton 10 years ago and I still give them free haircuts as a thank you for what they did for me. That's amazing. Yeah, and I think that takes customer service to a whole different level. I mean, that's oh, personal yeah. service. It is. You know, it it's is. not customer service. This is where we're getting down to, you know, it's a one-on-one transaction. It's between two human beings. It's not a business against a business yep. or um, a hey, very stressful environment, back of house generally at events and, and can be. Um, organised chaos. Yeah, organised chaos. Uh, is controlled, a, controlled chaos. <laughs> controlled, so, <yeah>. um, you <laughs> know, yourself and Helen who, who go in and do these events and the rest of your team, um, it, particularly you and Helen, though, yeah, is this something you talk about behind closed doors and and how you plan for this, or is it just yeah. part of your natural makeup? Yeah, no, how we, do you guys go and dealing about, with the yeah. fuckery that comes with oh, it? Oh, mate, <laughs> shitloads of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once the email comes, let's say Shane sends an email, how hey, going to event on a few weeks' time. First thing we do is check if availability. We try when it comes on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's hard to leave the salon because we're busy, so we don't want to like we lose money if we walk away from that. Um, so when it does happen on those days, we'll, we, you know, it's normally just Helen and I will go. Um, when it falls on a, a, a like a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever, we can bring some staff with us, yeah. and we want to involve the staff, absolutely, the team with us as well to do all that. Once we agree and say, "Yep," then I just I, Helen doesn't pre up until the day she does the hair, she doesn't want to know about it. Then I'll speak to Shane and say, "All right, um, what do you need from me? What time do you need? Send me the spreadsheets, um, Excel, whatever." which I still don't even know how to use Excel. I show my daughter she puts it all together. <laughs> um, and then when we we then look at what I will do is if Shane says, hey, you've got these four celebrities on the day, I would look at their hair and take screenshots and yep. photos of their current hair and also of their hair when they're on stage, send that to Helen and she's got it on file. She'll look at it. Yep, easy, no problem. Yep, done, done, done. And then – once I get the spreadsheet for the timings, um, if they also need makeup, then I would actually then organise a makeup artist as well. On the day when we get, as soon as we know the start time, let's say we're going to start doing hair at four, um, we'll get there at three and set up. Yep, no way you go. Set up, yeah. And then yeah. when the artists come in, we first check to see um, on the spreadsheet when the artists are doing rehearsals. So we make sure that we work don't lose them. Yeah. We work around all the, then we work around the events people. So then now we work. For, for blue events. Yep, perfect. If that makes sense. So then they tell us how, what, because sometimes things change. change. Rehearsals Absolutely. don't go right. They yeah, rock up late and exactly. yeah, we move people around. Yep. You know, and then the good thing about that is that we always pass the buck. If someone says, oh, but I'm scheduled now, and they're like, yeah, no, I just can't speak to, you know, yep. we. Yeah, speak you know, to Buzz. You adapt. And, you know, we had Phil on yeah, last we, week. He said the same, same thing. thing as a performer. You just adapt. You, you just make it work. You know, yes, you've got a, a schedule in front of you, but shit happens, right? You and the schedule is always never yeah. the same. Um, but, yeah, and then the thing is also when when we're doing the hair, it is commotion out the back and there's it's controlled chaos where, you know, and then some celebrities say, hey, I, this is how I want my hair. Now, if we were doing a fashion show, there's two things backstage. A fashion show is the designer, the clothes designer, Correct. she runs, she yeah. wants the hairstyle for that. Correct. But then you've got the jewellery company saying, hey, you're wearing $100,000 earrings. Then, I want my hair. Yeah. I want the hair up. Right. So the designer wants the hair down. Yep. The, the, the jewellery designer wants the hair up. Which is why those you know, hair Pre- and makeup trials are so Correct. important. So to them photos and back yep. and forth. So yep. um, uh, Ramsey, Ramsey, styled yep. by Ramsey. Yep. Um, for Brownlow, you know, he's a stylist, but the designer wanted this type yeah. of hair and whatever. So you know, he'll say, "Okay, yep. this is what's such going. an important part." And I mean, we talk about teamwork, and these all sound like you know isolated roles and responsibilities, but it has to be so connected all the way from the top down. And trust and lean on. I I don't don't know these little intricacies around jewellery and things like that, but you do, so you can help me. You go back to like, you know, Melbourne Fashion Show, which we've all worked on, Melbourne Fashion Festival, I should say. And, um, you know, it it is, you see it from the outside and you go, oh, yeah, it's just, it's catwalking. It's people walking up Mm. and down. Yeah, they've had their hair done. They've had their makeup done and they're wearing whatever, you know, outfits that they've been told to wear. The intricate detail in the planning of of those shows is unbelievable. Mm. So, And the fact that everybody has to agree on it and you talk about spreadsheets and files and photos and, um, you know, if you go backstage at a fashion show, for anyone who listens who who hasn't seen the backstage of a fashion show, I I would highly encourage you to do it one time in your professional event life because the detail 
detail that is involved in those mm. um, and, and the planning that goes into it and the metronome clockwork that goes opener, is yeah. unbelievably detailed yeah. and more than I ever thought it probably was from a, you know, f- from someone who hadn't experienced it before to then obviously been, you know, 100%. innately involved in it. So we always make it a thing where we might have some amazing makeup artists who are mobile or, you know, doing their own thing, own their own businesses, but they know Helen's in charge. Yep. And that's it. Yep. And Chain if anyone questions, she'll actually say, you know what, go and have a breather. Yep. Just sit for five Probably. minutes. Mm. Like, it's yep. like she's got, like, got to sit yep. in. She's got to sit <laughs> in. And she'll say, go sit for five minutes, go get a coffee yep. because yep. you're flustered and you're trying yep. to just, this is what we're doing. Yep. Follow me. And, you know, you just, because then if you start changing yeah. things, because Shane might be telling Helen or myself, this is, what, this is what we want. And then we put it, you know, it's like Chinese whispers, but then yep. the, the last person hasn't heard it properly. Correct. You and know, it throws so that's the whole what we do briefs out. and we sit down and have, like if we were to bring the salon with us, we'd have meetings about yeah. it. And that sense of mind to be able to, or the presence of mind in that situation while things are running at, you know, full speed mm-hmm. to be able to adapt on the fly, to be able to go, yeah, you know what, you do need five minutes out. Otherwise this is going to have an impact down mm. down the line here um, and just the way it flows itself through is, is so integral 100%. from director, producer, stylist, yep. assistant stylist, hair, makeup, mm. you know, jewellery and on and on and on and on it goes. So uh, anyway, we could probably talk about that uh, <laughs> for, for a long time. But have you got any crazy stories with, you know, the sort of hair and makeup <sighs> situation, an event that you – that didn't wow. go to plan? You can leave names um, out of no, it. You don't no, have to tell no, us. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me just try think. Okay. Well, we did. We looked after Miss World Australia um, for about five years. Um, as a Dale um, used That's to run right. it. That's right. Dale. Yep. And um, Dale's a, a, a crazy character, Melbourne nightlife king. Yep. Um, you would never think that this guy would run a pageant, but he was all about the charities and he was big about ma- raising money. So we were like big on that. And that, so Miss World Australia was all about that and – so he rings us um, and we found ourselves being part of it. He says uh, – he was in a meeting because he just took over the licence and he, he rang me and he goes, Frankie, he goes, um, hey, do you guys do a lot of fashion shows and whatever? I said, yeah, man, like what a stupid question. Like, and he goes, oh, congratulations, you're the official hairdresser <laughs> and sponsor of uh, Miss World Australia. So that's how we became that. And so backstage Miss World Australia, these girls, a lot of them are models and some of them aren't models – so they're going to be walking the catwalk and we've got a hairstyle that we've got to do because they've all got to have the same – because they have to look the same, same dress, same hairstyle if they can because that's how they get judged because you can't have right. one yeah. glammed up this way because then they might stand out too much. So they have to be all the same. And some of these girls will just go, nah, you know, I'm like this, I want that. And then, you know, having a go at the staff backstage and whatever and the girls are like – the, yeah, they might, especially the girls at our salon, they, they're fiery as well. They were, they once just wanted to kill them, like yeah. you know. And then Helen will come and say, "Listen, just to let you know, we report back to the judges how you guys compose yourself." That wasn't true. Done. No, that no, wasn't true. Enough genius. to pull them in the line. They though. shit themselves, <laughs> and she would then then start saying that at the start of the the events to these girls, and not we never had a problem since, you know. So she would actually right. say to them. Hey, you know, just let you know. A like, little tactic. Yeah, and it worked. And yep. they were just shitting bricks. Um, <laughs> Celebrity-wise, um, oh, conversations, um, a lot of, like, there's always been, like, you know, between manager Actually, and... Um, you'd know a lot, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. Oh, stuff. Oh, like, that's a, that's a whole new <laughs> world, mate. I wouldn't get hired ever again if I actually said all that stuff, mate. Right? True. Um, but a lot of, lot of, like, managers and, and more the entourage yeah. Were, yeah. were... Perfect example, we looked after one lady, um, a famous American... TV personality and she loved her hair and this is like Twitter era, not even Instagram was out at that time. And she was tweeting, mate, she was she had about five million followers and she was tweeting, Franka Helen this, I love my hair, blah, blah, blah. She came to cosmetics and you know, just she did about four tweets in the last hour. We sold so much lipsticks lipstick in that right. night because of her. It was wow. brilliant. But then a friend comes in, her best friend. And she loved her hair. She was hugging Helen. She goes, my God, hair, like, you know, the, you know that American boof, American yeah, yeah, yeah. way. <laughs> she loved it. Then her friend walked in and said, oh, are you sure you like that? Then she had she had doubts. Right. Uh, so Helen had to, the, you know, Helen that we know, had to like say, no, nope, it's all good. It's okay. Like, you know, and I was looking at her friend because we spent like three hours on this girl. Yeah, and There's she no was loving it. Once you put hairspray in a hairstyle, once you start, yeah, you can't redo it. You've got to watch them start again. Yeah. There was no way that was going to change. So she was almost – she almost said, oh, yeah, no, let's change it. And I, I looked at this guy, I'm like, please just walk out of this room. Yeah. Like, you know, like are you, you're kidding me. Like, you know, and then she loved it and she, we were fine. But okay. 
you know, just little things like that. It's like, oh, but um, God, entourage and managers impacting yeah, hot- again. <laughs> hotel rooms, a, a true story hotel room. Um, it was a cool one, a surreal one where we looked after Slash. In the hotel room, there was Wolf Mother. So Andrew, oh, so a lot of hair yeah. in this yeah, room. Yeah, a lot yeah. of hair. Yeah. Yeah. He had these black latex pants he had to put on, yeah, and he couldn't put them on. <laughs> so I, to, I actually, he was laying in the bed in his jocks. I had to put his pants on. <laughs> oh, no. Like I started to pick him up and like you know do all that. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. But um, in the hotel room there was uh, Kirk Bengili, Wolf Mother. There was Slash was in the corner there, like in this room, and we're talking about um, the Simpsons and. Like how the Simpsons, how it first started, and and Andrew Stockdale couldn't remember how it actually first. So we're just talking, and it was like I jumped out of myself, looking into this room, thinking, "Is this actually happening?" happening? Yeah. There was no cameras. There was no, yeah, you know. Um, so that was pretty cool. Soccer players, I've looked after a lot of big soccer players, and that for me because I love soccer, freaking out. Like I looked after the Juventus soccer team when they came. Um, you know, Buffon and Pirlo and all these big players, and um, yeah. Paolo Dybala, which is Argentinian World Cup player. That to me was like the biggest surreal thing of all time. And um, does that keep you buzzing now? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my personal drive. Yeah, yeah boy, childhood thing, you know, like all that stuff. So, yeah, so that was that was massive for me. Yeah, look, there's a lot of stories backstage, like a lot of um, the, like the managers and artists talking to each other and their conversations. And there's a lot of respect between managers and artists. Um, there's not many that I've seen where the, the managers drilling this artist, you've got to do this, 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 right. you know, there's not a, not a lot of that. People, what we see on TV, you get you away. Think, yeah, the yeah. managers are all right. Like, you know, and, and being in the, with Michael Stangel, as yeah. you know, doing, looking after a few artists, I, I learned a lot down the years ago to learn how to look after musicians myself. Yeah. And, you know, it just. It's important. I mean, it effectively the, the manager's working for the artist. You know, I've always said to the artist, if you, if you don't like your manager, why on earth are you employing him? Mm, because, yeah. or her, because they're working for you. I mean, you've got to have, again, they've got 100%. to be an extension of who you are yeah. to be out there promoting and, and you. And, the, and on the flip side of that, I look at, I, I mean, I have got stories with artists where a manager finds you a gig. Like, I mean, stock standards 20% yep. managers get. Now, if a manager finds you a gig that you would never have done and it's a $100,000 gig and you've got to give the manager 20 grand, like, don't bitch and moan about it. No. He found you 80 grand that you would never, never have found. Yep. So I'm big on that. I was very – I tried to reason with artists about that as well. And I was like on the yep. manager's side point of view saying, listen, if they're going to get you a, a, a watch that's worth 30 grand for free, which that was my job, I was always doing that, you know, and, and you need to do a couple of social media posts, you make sure you do, do it. do the post, yeah. You know, yep. I've actually – true story, there was artists that I got them some watches and stuff and, and – they weren't going to do anything about it. And I actually had the ticket to an event where I almost ripped up the ticket in front of them saying, if you don't do it by 10 o'clock tonight, you're not going to this event. Yeah. Like, I'm not getting paid. I was, I was working totally. on behalf. I was getting a, that's the deal. You know, yeah. I was working for Michael Stangel. So for me getting them product, I wasn't getting, making any money. So me getting them watches and cars and whatever, if I'd, I'd take the car away and bring it back to the car. Yard yep. if they didn't do it. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's what I would do. I wouldn't care. Got to hold them accountable. So- Have to. Um, I'm going to shift this a little bit. Yep. So your presence in the event space has rubbed off on your daughters. So you know, with, <laughs> with, with Bella, she, you know, she performs uh, yep. on stage. Was that a natural development? And I guess as a family man, what's important to you in supporting your children in their careers? As long as they're happy, yep. first and foremost. Bella is the biggest computer nerd of all time. So I'm wrapped. I got it because you know, <laughs> she's smart and she passed every maths. She's actually studying artificial intelligence and oh, robotics, yeah, and robotics engineering. So. Her, the stuff you didn't do way, way, way correct. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and she's basically, um, she loves her music. And the good thing about it is because it's not her core business, there's no pressure on her. Yeah. And this is why you can you can see it when she performs that she's having fun. And I always say to her, have fun. Mm. The day you're not having fun doing something, walk away. Yeah. If you're trying to make the money, make the money, but not enjoying doing it, just don't do it. Find something else. If you If you enjoy... You, wherever you're working, if you enjoy it, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, that's the old cliche, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the old so cliche. True. So yeah, so she she performs and yeah, she actually out of left field, she um you know, goes on stage and does things and released two songs and we're actually going. We actually this is a surreal thing. Doing hair backstage at the Aries all those years. Last year, she actually got invited to walk on the red carpet as an artist. Oh, nice. So I was doing her here in the hotel room. That's cool. So that was like a whole, wow, yes, yeah. real moment. So, um, and we're going again this year. She got invited again this year to That's go. That's so awesome. Yeah. She had these two songs. One, one song we synced to this TV show that was an online TV show pre Netflix. And it was like a Channel 9 thing. And, um, and then it got synced on Amazon Prime in America. And 
Arya's picked it up on it and they saw it and whatever. And then she oh, got right, invitation. Goes. Yeah, it's just snowballs. snowballs. So, yeah, so yeah. she loves it. But yep. she's – I my dream is with – because we, we just bought Purchase of Office um, and, and we're going to have our products running and whatever – my other daughter, Mia, is big with um, graphic design and okay. logos, but she also put her hand up. She while she said she's year eleven now, she wants to go to uni, but while she's at uni, she wants to do a hairdressing course. So that was a th- that threw a spanner in the works. Yeah, you didn't see that coming. No, not at all. We've wow. never said to the kids become a hairdresser. Whatever you want to do, you want to do. But now she wants to be like by the time she's twenty one, she will do like a slow part time apprenticeship. Yep. yep, she'll be a qualified hairdresser. Yep. So if she decides she want to do graphic design, design. digital design. So does as a father then, and with your wife, do you turn around and go, "Oh, here's the future of our yeah. the business." Like so all of a sudden, you got to rethink. Oh, like she yeah. actually she us because <laughs> yeah, we exit want, plan and now you haven't got one. There you go. <laughs> we had a slow exit plan, and you know, yeah. just whatever. Now she's in the system, and we still don't know until five years time. Of course, things but, might change. Well, but now, yeah. now that she's in the system, well, let's you know keep this alive and see how far we can go with her being involved and. It's put a bit of a firecracker up our ass now, so we want to. Sure, uh, she's a ripper too, man. Yeah, so, so you know, like good? the kids, yeah, and you want like with this office, like you know, I, I, we, Bella does all our website stuff. Right. Yeah, great. I do all the social media, but anything we have to put because we sell product online, smash yeah. on. She puts all the posts up and all that, and now we've got Mira in the system where she can do some logo design for me, and she already's done a few. So mm. we need an office. That's great. There's a couple next to us here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome into Blue. I think you've sold those offices about 10 times last week. They already come through. Yeah, roster. uh, All good. As a small business owner, what are some key priorities and principles you stand by that you believe are important to all small business? Um, And no particular order, I would say, first and foremost, just keep keep an eye on your own health and well-being and don't – the stress levels, you've got to maintain the stress levels, which – whether it's financial stress levels, they're hard to maintain. Business point of view, the customer service, the product itself, whatever service you give, you've got to make sure you give the best service possible, then customer service as well. So they, they're in hand in hand. Then the team, you guys got to make sure that everyone is on the same page, um, their, their well-being of the team at work, make sure everyone's okay, have their back, show that you've got their back. So if there is you know, a client complaint, don't go, oh, yeah, you're right, you know, the customer, the staff member was wrong. No, just like make sure first that and consult with the, with the teams and say, hey, what happened? And then back them up if, if, the customer, if the customer's wrong. You know, it's hard to say that when you're a new business, but down the track when yeah. you've got a business where you can afford to lose a client because they're actually not nice to your team, you've got to back your team up. Yeah. That's the well-being side of things, and then the financial side of things. Business point of view, man, you got you've got plans, you've got targets, you've got you know. At the end of the day, as long as the, your targets are paying the bills, paying the wages, and paying yourself, and feasible, right? Feasible, that word. yeah, feasible targets, feasible <laughs> targets, yeah. So basically, they're they're in a nutshell the first and foremost, and then after that, it's you know you've got your branches, branch out to your marketing, your social media. Don't burn bridges. Whoever you work with, don't make out like that's going to be the last time you're going to work with that person. Do the right thing where you know that you can be called back again and again. And then also always be, be careful of the snakes out there in, in business who people try and take you for a ride. We've been taken for a ride many times, but you learn. Yep. You know, you go, right, I, won't, I, won't I won't do that, do that again. again. You know, I won't do that again. I won't do that again. Then you yep. do it again probably three more times. But And that's all part of it, isn't yeah. it? You know, you've got to have those fail- failures along the way to learn those mistakes and, and work it out and that's yep. okay. <laughs> exactly. And, and as I said, all the industries cross over, especially the events industry. Everyone yep. knows each other and you just you just got to do right yep. by people and that's it. So speaking of uh, events, you've sort of shifted a little bit and uh, recently opened Bar Tacconi. Oh, my God. Uh, in oh, the I've got a headache suburbs. already. Uh, Look at the smile well, on his face though. I'll tell you what, I reckon that, I'm going to end up with a headache because I've noticed you've got limoncello on the menu, which is speaking my language. <laughs> but uh, why venture down this route um, and why a suburban bar with an event space and, and uh, rather than going in the city and how did all this come about? You've gone from hairdressing to, to bars. COVID. What happened was in um, March when the COVID cases were about to start. I remember I was watching watching the the, the Italian soccer one night, and they actually cancelled the Italian soccer the whole league, the whole league for the season. We've well, been now, devastated. <laughs> now in Italy, there's there's Jesus, and then there's Italian soccer. <laughs> okay, so when they closed that, I knew there was something wrong. So I said to Helen, like, you know. Can we afford to be closed? She's like, "What do you mean? This is before government closure." Yeah. Speaking of hustle, though, don't. Uh, as a little aside, you were selling yes. hand sanitizer. I'll get, I'll get, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah. So <laughs> what happened was um, the next day we're at we're actually at Rosebud. We're at a little house in Rosebud, so we're out having breakfast, and 
A mate of mine's a hair supplier and then another mate is a manufacturer. So when I said, look, they close Italian soccer down, this is big, something's going to happen here in Australia and then I've got a feeling we're going to be closed for a while, then my hairdressing mate, um, supplier goes, shit, he goes, if hairdressers close, I'm stuffed. Then his mate who's a manufacturer goes, well, if supplies are closed, I'm stuffed. Then he actually reached – he just said that day – it's funny. I actually got a call – this is for the hand sanitizer. Yeah. I got a call. Someone was asking for my um, alcohol, the pro- propyl alcohol, because yep. he, he's got them in gallons. Um, they wanted to buy it off me, some company in Perth. And, I, and then it was like that morning is when we realized we were going to make hand sanitizer, the three of us. Um, wow. and we Made hand sanitizer. Now, I bought some. There was a oh, massive issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, sold, we sold a lot. But what happened was – Across from the salon was a kindergarten. This kinder had about four or five cases of COVID. Yes. Now, at that time, if a business copped COVID, it was like oh. you were a leper. You, yeah. you I knew yeah. butcher shops closed down yeah. in Chadson. Red like, tape, sewed so up the door. <laughs> that was eight weeks before the government closure. Right. So we closed our doors before the government closed our doors. So we were closed six weeks longer than any other business in Australia. <sighs> we closed because we all those people that came to to went to the kinder we actually did all their hair two weeks earlier so we dodged the bullet so the hand sanitizer paid for the staff wages for six weeks yeah that's how we kept the salon afloat then the government closure happened and we're closed for 300 and something days all yeah. up in two Whatever. years yeah but so then what happened was when we were closed um i actually got a call pretty cool from Banyul council they um reached out to me one night they're having a meeting on a thursday night and i got a call at 7 30 and they said look frank you're the biggest salon in the area. You've got a double-story building. You've done so much for the community. You're closed. What can we do to keep you open? I said, well, yeah, if you change the laws, I know. <laughs> she goes, have you got a coffee machine? I said, look, I said, I do, but I'm not going to run a cafe. There's already four cafes in the street. I will yes. not do that to the boys in the street. Then I said to her, hold on one sec. So I put her on the speaker. I rang the cafe owners. I said, look, what time do you guys all close during the week? And they all close at 4 o'clock. Yep. So she was a loudspeaker. I get back. She goes, I know we can ask. I go, can, can I, I open but... after 4 o'clock? She gave me a cafe license the next day. They all approved wow. their cafe license the next day. So I could do cakes and coffees. Yep, that's right. But yep. no cooking, no preparing. Just I had a class three cafe license. So we built a little bar where my barber's area is upstairs. We, we had a little kitchenette. We actually built a little bar, cafe bar there. So, it was, so we ran Cafe Chicone for – about nine weeks. Yep. While that was happening, I was having a scotch. I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to apply for a liquor license while I'm at it. Yep. And just totally. could do a couple of little drinks here and whatever. So, particularly at four o'clock in the afternoon. Correct. Yeah. So, that's how the bar Chicone, so it was Cafe Chicone first. Um, and then, as the bar license came through, we then ran Bar Chicone for two years while the salon was operating on and off during COVID on Saturday nights only. So, when the salon closed at three, we had a bar operating at night, still using the hairdressing chairs. Couches, but a bar upstairs, a little bar. Yep, and it was great. From and it had some live music. Uh, we, did a, we did a pop-up stage above the basin area. That's right. Used to have Tim come. Tim play. and yeah. Marcus Angel and yeah. um, Taylor Henderson. That's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then we ran that for two years, then got the proper license, and that's when we moved here by Chicone out of the building because we couldn't grow the bar without the salon being there, and so we moved the salon out just over the train tracks, and then we built the bar downstairs as well. So we had a two bars going. In the same building, fantastic. And do you love it? Like it, love it. Yeah. When I was there a lot, um, it was it was busy. A yeah. lot of people wanted to have like I didn't realize this. How long was like everyone wanted to have a conversation with me? And she goes, <laughs> "You're like that when you go to a restaurant and you want to speak to the owner and sit with the chef and have a conversation." Mm. They want I didn't understand that because I used to come. I'm going bloody hell. Yeah, you know, everyone wants to, have, wants to sit down and have a drink with them. I'm like, so then yeah. So the bar thing happened. Um, Customer service that comes back to and personal yeah, service. Yeah. yeah, and I enjoyed it. I yeah. enjoyed it. But then I um. Were you doing both? Like yes. Like in terms of, you know, cutting the day I and then trying to run a bar over night time? The bar was open Thursday nights. So I had a license from Wednesday to Sunday, but I'd never opened Wednesdays. The bar was open Thursday nights. I didn't go there. But then Friday nights I'd work at the salon until 6 and then go to the bar and work till midnight, then back it up again on Saturday night. Yeah. It was hard. Um, then last year, as you know, had a, had a heart attack last year, January wow. last year. Best thing that ever happened. I, honestly, like I look at life so differently now. Zero fucks given, basically. I just like, you know, not Every day I don't care about anyway, just that if the coffee is cold, who cares? Yeah. If I'm stuck in traffic, I don't care. Someone's not happy with, with the haircut, which I know was a good haircut, 
but they're not happy, it's okay. Just give, either give them a refund or yep, help them out next set, whatever. I wasn't sure if you were going to bring that up. And now that you have, I want to congratulate you also on uh, you know, you've lost a lot of weight. Yes, I was 107 well. kilos at that time. So now I'm yeah. 91. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah. So basically, I just changed my eating habits because yep. I knew that, you know. So it was it was a scary thing. Um, I was not that far. I was probably about 20 minutes away from dying, but I was told later. And all, all I was, 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 I was thinking about the kids when it all happened. Totally. It's like, fuck, really? Like, one's still in year 10, one just finishing, starting yeah. uni. Yeah, when they're 30, I don't give a shit. They're settled, but not when they're in their teens. <laughs> oh, it's your worst nightmare as yeah, a father yeah, that's or as what a parent. Was, as a father, yeah. yeah it was yep. about the kids. So anyway, so once all that happened, I ended up winning International Barber of the Year Award that happened during COVID in England, which I was devastated because I would have yeah, been flying up. I would have been flying <laughs> up, flights combination, yeah. you know, go and see Big Ben and yeah, go nice. watch a soccer match. Yeah. It's and not, it's not the, the same through a TV screen. It was, a live, screen. it was a live feed. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching it, like, yeah. you know. So I won this award and then Rex from and, and, and Linda from Mocha Barber reached out to me and said, hey, we just came across this, you know, congratulations, this is a big deal. Can we run with it? Because when it happened, no one really spoke about it. No, I had no press, nothing. It was a big deal. Like it was the first ever International Barber of the Year Award won by an Aussie and it was like no one really spoke. I'm like, all right. So they reached out and did a, did a two-page spread in their magazine, Mocha Barber, Barbershop yep. Magazine. And then from that, Herald Sun picked it up, The Age picked it up, other magazines picked it up, and then the hair industry saw it. So then I started finding myself getting into hair industry, going to these events again, mm. which I never did for like 20-plus years. And so that's noble effect on the hairdressing side. So because of that, then I became ambassador for a clipper brand, and the uh, Heinegger Clippers and Excellent Edge and Scissors. They now are my suppliers and stuff. And basically the bar side of things – also post heart attack, I was slowing down a bit. Mm. Not that I was going to get rid of it, but then we sold we sold our building that we bought um, and just settled like basically last week. So then people thought I was selling the bar as well. So I've had a couple of people interested in buying the bar off me. So it's just it's just a whole turnaround. Like you know, love the bar, but if if someone comes in and takes over the bar, I'll be their number one bloody patron. But you love <laughs> the area as well. That's McLeod, the thing. You, I love you, McLeod. You're very so, passionate about yeah, that. Yeah, and I want the bar to be – so I want someone to take over the bar. Um, I've had people wanting to take it over as a cafe, Indian restaurant. I've actually knocked all that back. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you I want to as a bar. I want to – if I can, look at them that day. They do what they want. I'm, I can't dictate what. Yeah. But for me, it's my local. Yeah, totally. So I'm hoping that becomes a bar so I can go there on a Friday. Because unfortunately when I was running the bar and all my mates would come there, I'd have a drink, but then I'll be washing dishes mm. and doing things and running the bar. You just want to go down. and there's a punter now correct, and uh, correct. sit down and have all those conversations that everyone wants to have with you. Hundred percent. Look, I know the area well, and uh, it certainly needs it. So uh, you know, it was McLeod's first wine bar. Absolutely. Yeah. So a great little spot and mm. great little community. And we we love to finish these conversations, oh. <laughs> Frank, with uh, what we call buzzers, rapid fire questions. Let's go. Um, yeah, you're you're sitting in the hot seat now, so I'm going to hand Ready? over the big man, and he's, he's chomping at the bit. So this is going to be hard for go you. For it. Short answers, Frank. Yeah. Short, <laughs> short. All right. Number one, who's got the best head of hair in Australia, excluding yourself? <laughs> best head of hair. Wow. Well, I must be Taylor Henderson had a really cool '80s, you know, um, hairstyle. Yeah. So he had a nice, like, little hairstyle to look after. Nice. Uh, what celebrity have you not worked with who's still on the bucket list? Well, Paul McCartney would have been brilliant oh, for me, and I, yes. t- I did, I did reach out to his team yep. to say, hey. Um, if he needs a bit of a tidy up, um, that's he's the one. Oh, what a bugger! He's eighty-one. He I might know. be uh, pushing shit up there. Uh, <laughs> do you keep your backstage passes somewhere because you could create a little mini museum? Yes, you do. Yeah, got every oh, one of them. That is yes. awesome. Oh, yeah, they've got them put aside. My daughters are, are, are big on that. So they keep everything, all the areas and all the all the backstage. That's stuff a project all... in itself. Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Best piece of advice for anyone wanting to work in the hair makeup for events industry. Listen to the events coordinator. They're in charge. They're your boss, first and foremost. And if you can't do the job, don't agree to it because that could backfire. So if you can't do it, don't do it. And that could parlay into this next question. So what's what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Don't burn bridges, mm. first and foremost. And I had a guy who owned um, the IGA up the road, this Greek guy, George, and basically he said, don't stress over the bills when they arrive. Just make sure you pay them on time. So don't look at a bill. If it's a 28-day bill or a seven-day invoice, whatever, don't freak over it there and then. And just follow the, the order of paying things off, which that's Helen's department, not mine anyway. But. Yeah. 
Uh, now, I had to snake a footy one in here. Yeah. Uh, as a fellow Blues supporter, Carlton supporter. Yeah. Here we go. 2024, Frank, can we do it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, we I, can. And, and that's don't change the team. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We yep. did, we were three quarters away from making a grand final. Agreed. Oh, look out. Righto, I'm going to stop it there because otherwise that, that comment, that's a whole <laughs> that's other a whole podcast. New, I was going to say, I'll they start talk about Carlton football. Loosen football. up there. And, and we had a great presentation yeah. night together as yeah. well. We had a nice, uh, nice few drinks that night. It was we a good night. Yeah. Oh, that was – Yeah. I won't even go there. I went to a Carlton football gig. I should have said that at the start with you two a couple of weeks ago. I think I'm still recovering. So, oh, that was a good one. Uh, anyway, no, it was it was a good fun night. Um, hey, a bit of a tradition we've started this season on Event for Life, uh, and that is we have asked the previous guest to leave the next guest a question without knowing who they are. So today's question to you: What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at an event? Well, if it's if it's if it's back to stage, it's um. People coming, basically, people coming on and on on the wrong queue, where they're scheduled to perform like twenty minutes later, and yeah. they walked on and started performing, <laughs> and had to be asked to come off again. Yep, <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. a way to go red in your face, isn't it? So yeah, lose your breath. Yeah, nice one, beautiful, very good. Hey, Frank, thanks very much for joining us on Event for Life. It's been an incredible conversation, and um, you know, you'd think talking about hair and makeup that you could sit here and talk for an hour, but I think we could probably talk for another hour. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, you know, your career's been so diverse and you've done exceptionally well and um an all kudos to you and, and everything that's to come in the future. But uh, more importantly for for what you've achieved and what you've given back to to our industry that we live and breathe every day, we we thank you and it, it takes people like yourselves to to make our events shine. So um we appreciate it and uh yeah, thanks again for joining us yeah, on Event for Life. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. It's really been great just to chat for an yeah. hour or so, you know, without distractions. No, it's great had a ball. Had a ball. Thank you guys, cool. appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of An Eventful Life. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. It makes a huge difference to us. And don't forget you can also find us on our new YouTube channel. This show is for you, our listeners. Our aim is to bring you the most in-depth conversations and life experiences from the event industry. So if you have any feedback, suggestions on guests you would like us to interview on the show, please reach out to us through our social media channels. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. See you next time on An Eventful Life.